If you're a guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you're here. Thank you for doing all that stuff that you have to do to get registered to be with us. We usually set aside this time in between our singing and the word to pray for partners. Um, But today we want to pray for our veterans and thank God for our veterans. And so, uh, veterans, I know that this is sometimes a sticky thing for you. You don't want recognition. But would you stand if you have served or are serving currently uh, in the United States military? We want to honor you this morning. Let's, uh, Let's thank God for our veterans. Thank you. Please, please stay standing. Ushers, would you, would you give our, our veterans a gift? And if you don't mind staying standing, we want to pray for you. So if you're around one of these veterans, uh, socially distance, extend your hand to them. That doesn't get a laugh anymore, socially distance anything. But God, we want to thank you for our veterans. We want to thank you for the service that they gave and the example that they give to us of what it looks like to lay down your life. We know that some of them did that willingly. We know some of them did that because their uncle called, told them that they had to. But God, nonetheless, we are thankful that they submitted to that call. Father, we pray that you would give them the reward for their love. You said no greater love has any man than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. And you did that for us. And so God, we pray that your love that is great would rest inside these men and women. And that out of the abundance of that love, you would fill them with your spirit like never before and ignite them to minister to their families and to this church and to the world at large. We honor them for their willingness to serve. We honor them for the example that they are. We give you thanks for them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you again, veterans. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all able to sleep this week? Been a, it's been a wild week. Have you ever had the sentiment that you were hoping for something? Like, like I'm hoping for and you could finish the sentence? I know growing up, and my parents can attest to this, I had high expectations for almost everything. Like, if, if we were going to do X, Y, and Z, I had it 
mapped out in my head what that would look like. I had lots of hopes and dreams. If you didn't hear my, if you if you're here watching online, you didn't hear my mom is in the house, and she said, and lots of disappointment. <laughs> We're not here to talk about that this morning, but um, we all have hopes about what we want. Some of us are kind of wound tight, like I am, and so if you have a hope or a desire, you want it to go a certain way, and when it doesn't, that hope gets dashed. Some of you like are way more easygoing. You have hopes and dreams, but you're like, yeah, cool. And some of us just really don't. I've learned really don't have hopes and dreams. Like, what are you thinking about that? I'm not thinking about it at all. Like, I'm just going with the flow. But the truth is this. Each one of us were created for hope. And sometimes how we process hope has to do with what we've experienced in terms of our hopes, whether we've been, our hopes have been satisfied or our hopes have been dissatisfied or disappointed. And this morning, I want to talk about hope because I think as a country, as a nation, we are in the middle of a division of hope. I mean, we can hope about all kinds of different things. Like, you might hope that the Bills beat the Seahawks this afternoon. And that would be a fun hope. But I can guarantee you there's more people in Seattle hoping that Seattle beats Buffalo. Right? So does hope work on democracy? I hope not. We can hope that when we get home, our kids didn't eat the pizza so that we can have it when we're watching the Bills game. We can hope about important stuff. We can hope about silly stuff. But the truth is this. Our nation right now is pinning its hopes in two different areas of political camps. And you, you've, we've seen over this last week what that looks like. In fact, we're going to continue to see what it looks like. But the truth is this. At the end of the day, however this thing pans out, there's going to be half the people that have had their hopes fulfilled and half of our nation, almost half, like right down the middle, that have their hopes dashed. So what, what do we do when we have hope for something and it doesn't turn out like we like? I want to talk about that this morning because hope is a powerful thing in our lives, either for the good or for the bad. And how we deal with hope and hopelessness matters. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Where we put our hope and how we hope matters. Have you ever lived heartsick? I remember some times in my life romantically where I was heartsick. And it literally affected how I lived my life. Whether I found joy in the moments, whether I was thinking about the future. And then I've also had many times in my life where I have had my hopes and dreams fulfilled. And it has been exactly what Scripture says it is, a tree of life. It's like everything good is flourishing there. It's full of fruit in my life, and I I feel the shade of that hope, right? We've all been there. How many of you have been hopeless before? How many of you have been filled with hope before? And so how we talk about hope and how we as believers anchor our hope and where we put our hope matters to the world that we live in. 
We talked last week about being ready to give an answer for the hope that's within us. I want to continue, not this series, but I want to talk about that hope this morning. This hope is not, this message is not a message that's in series. It's just a pastoral processing for us as believers so that we can position ourselves as the people of God in a world that is going to experience or is experiencing, whether it's over politics or something else, hopelessness or hope fulfilled but maybe hope fulfilled and not the right place. And so I want to talk about hope this morning because it is easy for us as people to be without hope. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. This is talking about the Gentiles. This is talking about people who are, who are um, not the people of God. They've had no concept of the one true God, and Paul is describing them as those who did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. And when people are without hope, it is a dangerous place to be. In whatever area of our lives, without hope, we have lost our access to the prophetic future. Do you know that God has a prophetic future for each one of us? Now some of us are like, that That word prophetic just kind of sets me off and I think that's weird and like I've seen people on TV and I just don't understand that. I'm not talking about God has a prophetic future where you come and stand before somebody and they, they tell you what God is saying to you. Although we believe that God does do that. God speaks through other people to us. God raises up prophets to nations and to individuals as well. Where God, God speaks sovereignly through another person to tell us what he desires for our lives. That literally happened by text to me this morning from a friend of mine. He said, listen, I'm praying for you. Here's what I'm praying for you. And as he did that, the Lord said, I, I prompted him to do that. There's something for you in what he's praying. And I said, thank you. And I told him what, what I was experiencing. And he, he prophesied into my life. He spoke the word of God to me. And I, I changed what I, what I planned on saying, some of what I planned on saying this morning, out of what God was saying in the moment. But the truth is this, each one of us has a prophetic future in God. There is a desire, a preferred outcome that God has for your life. There's a reason why he put you here. There is something that he wants you to do. He didn't just get you on this earth to kind of live and get saved and make it to heaven. He put you here to see his kingdom come in your life and to, to, to his kingdom to come not only in your life but through your life by the Spirit. You have a prophetic destiny, but when we don't have hope, we forget it, right? We live in a world without hope. When we, don't, when we lose hope, we can't see what God's wanting to do with our lives. We literally stop dreaming, and we just put our heads down, and we work. Have you ever done that, like lived for a week, a, a month, a year, where you're just kind of grinding, and you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing, but you just keep doing it? Am I the only one? Right, like when you're in college and it's exam time, and you just live like a zombie for three weeks because you got to get those papers done and write the exams, and you're, you don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. You just find yourself like in the middle of the night, like I did. I worked for the public safety department. In the middle of the night, I would find myself like up writing parking tickets because I didn't know what I was doing. You 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 have a whole new view of me now, don't you? You're like you're that guy. Yes, I was that guy. That's how I de-stressed. But do you understand, like, God has called us to, to live with hope, and when we lose our hope, we lose 
our access to prophetic future. Without hope, we, we don't have access to joy in the moment. Right? We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. We don't live with purpose, and we just kind of grind. Without hope, we've lost the ability to share what's good in our lives with others. Without hope, we don't realize who we are. We forget who God has made us to be. And most people uh, are not without hope. Right, right now, I, I would venture to guess most people in this room have some type of hope. We've all lived without it at times, but most of the time we have our hope somewhere. But most of us will find ourselves at some point disappointed with the hope that we carry. So in this room, maybe 90% of us are probably here. We have some kind of hope. You have hope in something. But I'm telling you, unless your hope is in the right place, you, all 90% of us will find ourselves in a place where the, the place we have placed our hope disappoints us. What we had desired, the outcome that we desired for our lives, breaks down. The classic definition of hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen. That's that hope that breaks down. Because a biblical definition of of hope is this. A confident expectation that God will do what he's promised. We have to understand that as believers, our hope is different. In fact, Romans chapter 5, and this is where we're going to land for just a, a couple minutes, is this. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. This hope does not disappoint. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So if there is a hope that does not disappoint, let's first talk about the hope that does disappoint. The hope that disappoints is the hope that we put in another person. Don't look at your husband or wife right now. Just look straight ahead at me. But blink twice if your husband or wife has ever disappointed you. You can do that without nodding your head. Like... How many of you got married and you, and, and you had some hopes for what this was going to look like? And a little, I don't know, a day in, a week in, a month, a year, I don't know, your hopes were like a little bit off. You realized you, you had some hope and stuff that you weren't quite sure you should put your hope in. Now, does that, does that excuse our husbands and wives from becoming who God wants them to be? No. But we have to realize when we put our hope in something, people will fail us. I don't know if you came to this church recently because your other church you had hopes in failed you. I'm guaranteeing you at some point we will fail you. I will fail you. My message will not be good. We will not take care of you spiritually. One of the programs we do will will get messed up and you will just, listen, we fail each other. And so we can't put our hope in man. Uh, Hope that disappoints is, is put in a false identity. Have you ever thought that you were the man? Or you were the woman, and you, like, you went into a circumstance, a situation, maybe it's a job, or a ball game, or to school, or some, some, somewhere where you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill this thing. Like, like you just walk in like Conor McGregor, chest out, arms back, swagger, and you're just ready to like mess whatever up. You're like, I am going to rule over this thing. And somewhere you put your hope in a false identity, and you lost the game. You got crushed. Or that relationship that you started, you realize that person really wasn't that into you. 
or that new haircut that you got that you decided was going to like put you over the edge of coolness. You just could not put, you should not have put your hope in that haircut. Or whatever it is. When we identify ourselves falsely, when we put our identity in something other than what God puts our identity in, we will find ourselves without hope at some point. A hope that disappoints. Or maybe uh, the hope that disappoints is in the timing that we desire. If you ever hope for something, I mean something God promised you. Some of us are still waiting for what God promised us, aren't we? And we put our hope in the time, God, you said you were going to do this. Why has it been five years? We put our hope in the timing that we have rather than in the timing of the Lord. That's the hope that disappoints. Or maybe we just have a hope that gives up. Like we did not hold on long enough in the hoping that God has called us to. There is a hope that does not disappoint because there's a hope that also disappoints. So let's talk about that hope that does not disappoint this morning. Because as believers, we have to decide now for politics, for relationships, for whatever we're going through, we have to decide that we will not be people who put our hope in things that will disappoint. But we must put our hope. We must find the hope that does not disappoint. Because it sets us apart. So look at Romans chapter 5 with me. I want to look real quickly at verses 1 through 5. It says this, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. This is the hope that does not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit. To fill our hearts with his love. So what does this hope that does not disappoint look like? First of all this. It is rooted in faith. It's rooted in faith. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. First of all we are made right by faith. Listen if you are here this morning. And you are thinking somehow you're going to get this religious thing down. You're going to be good enough. And you can start putting your hope in your own righteousness. Just trust me. That is a hope that will disappoint. But the hope that does not disappoint is hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 1 says this, we, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. It is a hope that's rooted in faith in Jesus Christ alone. Secondly, it's a hope that's rooted in faith Because that place of faith gives access to Jesus to do what he wants to do in us. Look at verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place. We put our hope in Jesus Christ. And in that hoping and in that faith, it gives him access for him to do his work to bring us into a place. And what is the place that he brings us in that we can put our hope? It is a place of Privilege. Privilege is a word we throw around in our culture a lot right now, isn't it? Guess what? Get over it. You live in a place of privilege if you live in Christ Jesus. 
It's undeserved, unearned privilege, merit, favor. And the first thing that we ought to do is recognize it. And here's the problem. We get really uncomfortable when people accuse us of having privilege, don't we? I, I, I didn't have privilege. I, I didn't. We earned it. Our fam, our, my family scra- scraped and struggled. Whatever. But let's stop and just say, apart from that, like God before you, I recognize that I live in a place of undeserved privilege. Aren't you glad that you don't get from God what you deserve? I'm so glad. He gives us a place of undeserved privilege. We can put our hope in that. And here's the truth. We currently stand there. Catch this. You currently stand in a place of undeserved privilege. And what is produced in that place is what I call the trifecta of hope. Paul writes to the Romans, he says, in that place you receive confidence and joy and the ability to look forward. Hope gives us confidence. Confidence is something that I think believers have a short supply of. Because confidence can sometimes be pride when it's put in the wrong place. But when we have confidence in what the Lord has done for us, we can walk with absolute confidence. And some, some people have referred it as Godfidence. And when we have confidence in God, we don't care if people see it as pride. Because we're not talking about ourselves, we're talking about him. We're talking about what he has done, what he can do, what he's about to do. And what it does is it fills us with joy. How many of you know that when we have hope in the right place, it fills us with joy? When we have hope in the wrong place, sometimes it fills us with joy as well, right? But true joy, lasting joy, joy that's going to make a difference in our lives and the lives of others comes from a place where we put our hope in the Lord. And he produces joy in us and then he also gives us the ability to look forward. To have that prophetic understanding of what we are called to and what our purpose is in life. And what happens when we hope this way is that we become able not just to live in a place where it's hope upon hope upon hope, but Scripture says we are able to live in a place where we can face trials. See, this isn't the part of the message that anybody really wants to hear. But it's the place that God is calling us to. When we have hope in the Lord, when, 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 when we face trials, not if, when, when we face persecution, when we face difficulty, when we face delay, when we face disappointment in what we have put our hope in, when, if we have hope in the Lord, it produces another trifecta in us. It produces endurance. It produces character. It produces a confident hope of salvation. Notice it doesn't say that it gives us hope, but it strengthens the hope we already had. Scripture says it strengthens the hope we already had. Listen, you might be in this place saying, Pastor Josh, why are you preaching about hope? I have hope in the Lord. Here's the thing. If you have hope in the Lord, that's great. But God is not interested in your hope staying where it is. He is interested in your hope getting endurance. He's interested in your hope getting character. And he's interested in your hope being strengthened. 
God is in the midst of strengthening his people. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob goes face to face with God. If you turn with me real quick, we're just going to look at this as an example of what happens. Jacob in this account, we don't have time to get into all of the background. Jacob in this account is traveling, running away from his father-in-law who he's lived with for many years. He's running with his wives and his children. He's running away from his brother, well, towards his brother, who wants to kill him. So away from his father-in-law who is persecuting him, towards his brother who wants to kill him. And Scripture says that he takes all his kids and his wives and all his possessions, and he puts them on one side of the river, and then he stays on that, the other side of the river by himself at night, and he wrestles with God. God appears to him, and he wrestles with God. And in that encounter, God touches the socket of his hip, and he's left with a limp forever. But in, the, in that moment, it's getting towards daybreak, he's wrestling, and, and God says, let me go. And he, Jacob says, I will not let you go till you bless me. Tell me your name, bless me. So God tells him his name, and Jacob names that place face-to-face with God. See, here's the thing. When we wrestle with God, we're changed. Some of us want to have hope fulfilled and only hope fulfilled in Jesus. And we have confident hope that he will fulfill his promise. He will do what he said he's going to do. We will be saved But in the process, we ought to get more comfortable as the people of God with wrestling in two ways. One, to have those things stripped away from our lives that we ought not to put our hope in. And second, so that the hope that we do have is strengthened. We are strengthened. God is bringing us through a place where he he wants to wrestle with us and he wants us to wrestle with him because we are changed by encounter. We are changed by touch. We are changed by not letting go. We are changed by blessing. We are changed when our names are changed. God is looking to change the name of his church. Not this church, but the church. Where the the identity that we walked in without hope is transformed. Where the places that we put our hope is not where we are labeled, but the places that we ought to put our hope in Jesus Christ is what we are labeled by. That we are known for being the people who see God face to face. Because when we've seen him face to face, we can talk about hope in a different way. He is in the wrestling. It's time for us to not let go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us hold tightly. Like Jacob, let us be the people that say, God, I will not let go of you till you bless me. I am putting my hope and my trust in you. If you read through Hebrews, we don't have time for that this morning. You can read how we hold tightly. I'll just highlight how we hold tightly. We hold tightly by going into the presence of God. This is Hebrews chapter, if you're taking notes, 10, 22 through 25. We hold tightly by going into his presence. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. We, we hold tightly by coming into his presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. What does that mean? When we go to him for hope, we are not going to him to get him to do what we want him to do. 
we don't pray and put our hope in a certain outcome that the Lord, that we want the Lord to do for us. We come with sincere hearts saying, God, I'm just before you, and I'm, I'm trusting you that you will do what you said you're going to do, that you are good. I'm putting my hope in that. We hold tightly by motivating one another, Scripture says. We think of ways to motivate one another to good works and to love. We hold tightly by not stopping meeting together. It is so important that we as the body gather together to remind ourselves of the hope we have in Christ because everything around us right now, especially in this nation and all around the world, is going to attack every bit of our hope and we need each other to be reminded by the Spirit of God where we put our hope. And we're to encourage one another. Would you bow your heads this morning? I pray by the Spirit of God that the Word of God this morning gives courage to your heart. As the Lord, in His goodness and in His sovereignty, is stripping away all of the things that we put our hope in that are not from Him. And that we land in a place where our hope is in him alone. That every time hopelessness rises up, every time the situation doesn't turn out like you think it ought to turn out, you are redirected by the Spirit of God to Jesus Christ, the one who has given you a confident hope in his salvation. And I pray that you are so filled with that hope that it bursts out of you and that you become the one who encourages others with the hope that comes from Christ alone. May hope rise up. Hope that does not disappoint rise up in the people of God. May we be the most hope-filled people for our nation, for our neighborhoods, and for our families that his kingdom might be built. God, this morning we put our hope squarely on you. Jesus, we look to you. And we hold tightly to hope in you. In you alone. Let every other thing that we hold on to, that we hope in, fall out of our grasp. We open our grasp on it this morning. And instead, we take our hands and our hearts and we wrap them firmly around you and we say, we will not let go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.